beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome to this episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. I am giddy with excitement to share this conversation I had with my friend, Emily P. Freeman about working from home. This is a topic that is on so many people's minds right now. Whether the coronavirus pandemic has you working remotely when you normally worked outside of the home, or if you were already working from home like Emily and I do, but now your kids are there, you can't concentrate. Either way, there are a lot of us who are having to adjust our habits or our mindset around being productive while at home and while the world changes. Now, I have been meaning to do an episode like this with Emily for a while now, because when I heard her talk about the way she structures her days at home while wearing several different work hats, she does it using theme days, and she'll explain a lot of that in the episode. When I first heard her talk about this on Instagram ages ago, And then later on her podcast, The Next Right Thing, I instantly took up her methods of theme days and I've applied it to my own schedule. And for the past, I don't know, year maybe, it has really, really worked for me. Let me tell you a little bit about Emily P. Freeman, someone whose voice and wisdom I have followed for years and years now, since way back when we were both regularly blogging, and I just found her writing so beautiful then and now. She's written five books, including the bestseller, The Next Right Thing, which was one of my favorite nonfiction books last year. She also hosts the weekly podcast, The Next Right Thing, short episodes about making decisions and creating space and margin in your life. She also co-founded and is the director of content for Hope Writers, a community of writers who are serious about their craft. I highly suggest that you go follow Emily on Instagram at Emily P. Freeman. And if you'd like to know more about her, go to emilypfreeman.com. 
I will link to all of these things in the show notes. And I will also link to the podcast episode that Emily has on her show, The Next Right Thing, where she does a deeper dive on her ideas around the theme days. It's episode number 73 of The Next Right Thing. And then she's also done a more recent episode, episode number 124, where she talks about the modifications to that schedule that she's making during this season of self-isolation. We touch on all of this stuff here in today's episode, but this is more like a conversation between friends. Emily and I are sharing what is working for us, what's not, how we're mentally approaching our work days right now, the little tips and thoughts that we're using to get through a work from home day, the types of things that we're measuring in our productivity and in our work. And lastly, towards the end of our talk, we take a little bit of a relevant, I think, tangent about social media and how it's interfering with our brains right now. Okay, fine. Maybe I'm the only one who says that it's interfering, but Emily listens. And in general, we talk about how the internet is making us feel when our main connection to one another is the internet. I love this conversation. I want you to be having similar discussions with your friends about their work experience right now, how we're all managing, what we're letting go of, all of that. This episode will hopefully spark thoughts and questions about your own rhythms. Now to our conversation. Emily, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm super, super excited to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, listen, I've been wanting to have you on 10 Things to Tell You for forever on all kinds of topics because you really are a voice that I look to all the time for a long time on various things. But when I heard you revisit the idea about working from home on your podcast recently, I was like, yes, please, let's talk about this. So will you give us just a general idea of your original theme day principles. Absolutely. So I, like you, work from home. And I have for many years. In fact, I write books and I do have a podcast and I write on a blog and the whole thing. And I've been doing it for a little over a decade. But it took me probably four years of doing it. It was on my third book. I published my third book when I finally realized, oh, I have a job. I actually, I'm not a stay-at-home mom like I thought I was. I'm just a mom who works from home and it it can be very confusing. Mm-hmm. And so, and the day I realized that I'll never forget, I was walking home. I've walked the kids to school. I was walking home from school up our cul-de-sac and I was thinking about all the things I had to do. And they were this jumble of like homey stuff and also worky stuff. It was like email and dishes and writing an article and meeting a deadline and also the bank. And it was just nothing had a category. And I finally that day, as I was emptying the dishwasher, I was like, oh, wait, I have a job. And somehow just confessing that, I mean, I'm I'm so big on naming things like, you know, the first step in solving any problem, making any decision, working through anything is actually naming what the problem is. If you can't name it, then how can you move forward? And somehow naming that loosened so many things in me and things started to fall into place. And I would say that that was the beginning of me learning how to work from home um, in a way that made me not go crazy. And so I would say that this is a couple of years ago when I started using theme days, because even though I had been working from home for a while, things kind of came to a feverish pitch, Laura, because I was also in grad school. I entered grad school in the fall of 2017 to get my master's. Basically, I added school to my plate, but I didn't take anything away. Mm. I would not recommend that but I did it. And what happened was I was trying to fit school and reading and papers into the cracks of my already full day. And it was making me crazy because that switching between tasks was what was so hard. And so I decided to, it just kind of sort of started naturally, but then it became really intentional of, okay, I need to have a day where I just, I work on, for example, the podcast on, like you said, on Mondays, really these theme days were not so much about completion. Like let me finish this thing today. And then I, and then I'm not going to do it again until the next week. It was about that, but it was also just about focus. Like, what can I focus on today so that I'm not switching between, you know, this kind of work and that kind of work? I know some people call this batching. And just to say this briefly, I think there's a difference between theme days and batching. Batching is really about 
in many ways, clumping liked tasks together, like I'm going to be doing email. So I'll do all my email on the podcast or responding to speaking requests or whatever, because it's all email. But for me, the energy drain comes more in switching between themes or it comes in when I have to switch between thinking about one type of my work and then a different type of my work, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Because so many of us who work from home, we have lots of different things we're doing. It's not like we just do one type of work. So it really helped me to come up with, okay, I'm just going to make it up. And I'm going to say Mondays are podcast days, Tuesdays are, you know, and I had a kind of a theme for every day for the purpose of focus, not necessarily for the purpose of completion. What were your other themes? So Tuesdays was my Hope Writers Day. I, I run an online membership site called Hope Writers, where we help writers kind of balance the art of writing with the business of publishing. Um, and so we really help writers find and follow their own path to what it looks like to share their words with a reader. And it's called Hope Writers. And But I found like if I let it, Hope Writers would just seep into every minute of every day. And so Tuesdays is really the day that I I host interviews for it. I plan content. We have our co-founder meeting that day. And that was like my my robust themed Hope Writer Day. Wednesdays at that time when I came up with theme days was a day for school. I think it was paper writing, reading type of day. And then Thursdays, I was working on the, a book. I was writing The Next Right Thing. And I think that was a Next Right Thing day. And then Fridays tend to be more of a catch-all. Like I'll, if I needed to have meetings, in-person or online meetings, it's more admin stuff. I mean, by Friday, the theme was basically like, let's survive this. <laughs> let's survive it day. And that was usually Fridays for me. It's funny because I had heard of this in a different context a little bit, like if people do, you know, Saturday is laundry day or whatever. Like I'd heard about it maybe in home kind of way or a task kind of way. I had not heard it about work until you talked about it because it feels like certain work things have to be attended to every day, like email or I don't know, social media stuff, like things that you kind of have to do a dabble in every single day. And for me, that task is overwhelming because you have the everyday things and then you might have a deadline or a project or whatever that really has to be completed. And like you, I just felt like I was juggling all of them and not really ever getting anywhere because like email never ends, social media never ends. And then when are you supposed to fit in this project thing? If I drop everything to do like a whole big blog series or some kind of thing, whatever your project is, then I get behind in everything else. I just felt like I was constantly like swimming upriver. When I heard you talk about putting the theme days around work instead of just around home or around whatever, it freed me up so much to think about like, okay, I don't have to think about this today or stress about this today because I know I'm going to get to it on Thursday or whatever, even around emptying my email inbox, which I am terrible about email. If you're listening to this and you emailed me six months ago and I haven't written back, it's not personal. I promise you. <laughs> I'm like literally so, so, so bad at email, but it was a constant hum of feeling bad about email. Yeah. When I decided I'm only going to answer emails on Tuesdays, then I felt less stress around it. Now, yes, mm. this means that some people are getting email response, you know, even in a professional way, they're getting a work email response a week late, but at least they're getting it at all, which before it was just like a jumble of me just putting out email fire all the time. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Or not coming up with social media, you know, I have a certain amount of things that I have to do on social media, like to, to promote this show or because I really care about it and I, I want to post something or whatever, but it was constantly just like catch up or like I said, put out the fires. And it was never, it didn't feel as like intentional as I wanted. And when I could sit down and be like, okay, I'm actually going to think about the best things that I want to post, the right way to promote a podcast online or whatever, instead of it just being like, catch all, I don't know, here's a post, here's an episode, I don't know, do what you want. Like, <laughs> right, do what you want. Well, and the thing too is that uh, for me on on Mondays, I will create the Instagram post for the podcast because it's podcast related. It's not Instagram. In my mind, it's not Instagram. It's actually podcast. So you do like all podcast stuff. Mm -hmm. I try to. So it doesn't always work. But that in my mind, it's still I'm still in podcast brain. 
And so like, I'll write a caption for the post, but I won't post it that day. I'll just save that caption for when I post about the podcast on Tuesday. Everyone is going to think about this differently because you could do it that way. Everything that's podcast related, including the promo, including the, for me, reach out to a guest, reach out, you know, sure. that involves email, like all just things that are in the podcast realm go on that day. Or you could break it up if you're like how you think about it. Email based, social media based, podcast content is one day, like whatever. Yeah. What is your, and we're going to talk about how the world has changed in the work from home situation, COVID in a second, but in regular life, what is your work from home situation? Do you have a home office? Do you have a little special corner in your home? What is it sort of look like for you in regular life? Suspending all current realities <laughs> in regular life. All three of my kids go to public school. And so from the time that they are in school in the morning until they get out of school at like four in the afternoon, I have that time to work. I mean, so it's daily. I can work every day. And for the last couple of years, maybe the last three years, I've had an office at my house. It used to be a guest room. And then it was one of those like reality moments where I realized like, okay, so that whole room has a bed in it that's used twice a year, or I could take the bed out and put my desk in there and use it every day. Why am I prioritizing my twice a year guest over myself every single day, work day of my life? And that's all it took for me to get the guest bed out of there and finally have an office. So, so that's been several years. So yes, I have a, an office with a door, which is amazing, but I haven't always had that. I wrote my first four books really like in the tattered corner of our sofa or at our kitchen table. Um, and so I think the principles, you know, of like having a theme day or working kind of this way can work even if you, you know, you maybe don't have the luxury of an office with a door, but I do have that. I have that too. And it's also a guest room refigured. And I also know that it's very, very lucky and I'm super glad to have it. But even so, how are you separating work time or work mind space with the rest of your family life? Like, here's what the root of what I'm asking. In regular life, not in lockdown world, <laughs> when do you do home-related things? Like, how do you not get distracted by cleaning out the front hall closet instead of sitting down in your office and working or even just doing the daily tasks of like, oh, I'm going to put some laundry in, I'm going to pick up the kitchen, whatever. Like how do you feel like when you walk into your office, your home office, you can tune all of that stuff out or is it a struggle for you? It's a struggle for me. I would say I found one of the keys is if I walk into my office and I'm still in my jammies, I will be in my jammies all day. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, dot com and use code you y-o-u i will do the piddling around it's like i will never start working really even though i'm kind of working all day because i haven't mentally made the switch so it's it's not like i mean i know people say like you have to put on your shoes and put on your lipstick and put on your earrings and then you can go to work and it's like i don't really do it to that degree but i do find that if i just kind of wander into my office in the morning and i still have on my slippers i'm in trouble because i'll just kind of slowly trickle into working and checking some email blah, 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 and then it's five o'clock and the day is done. 
So I have found that it does really help me to pretend like that room is off limits to me until I'm ready to actually sit down and have a work session. And that does help. And I'll say, I am never more productive in my house than when I have a really big deadline. The bigger the deadline, the cleaner my closets are. Like that is a reality. And I've just come to accept it. And I'm like, well, that's just when my closets are going to get clean, I guess, because I'll meet the deadline. I'll also Marie Kondo all my drawers. It's just the way it is. I don't know if I'll ever escape it. I feel like that's part of the process because while you're cleaning out the hall closet, I do this too, you're in some ways you're sort of chewing on the deadline or you're chewing on what that work is. Like it's not, I used to think it was complete procrastination or that it was completely unhealthy or whatever. And now I'm like, no, it's actually not. My brain is working through something. If I'm doing something physical with my body, like carrying laundry around or whatever I'm doing, that also is sort of shedding out some energy. Like I feel like it's part of the, every creative person I know has some version of that. I feel like. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. I didn't know I was going to ask you this, but now I just have all the curiosities. So then when you sit down for a work session, how do you organize it beyond your theme days? Like, have you given yourself a task list the night before? Do you say, I'm going to do a certain amount of hours on this thing? Do you say, I'm going to do this thing until I'm done. How do you structure that time? Are we talking current reality or past reality? It's like we have to have two conversations. <laughs> I know we really do. We Let's do. Talk it's about weird. It, not current reality and, and then we're regular talk life. About all the modifications in a minute. Okay. 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 So typically, Well, let's use the podcast as an example, because this one is funny because people will say, okay, so Monday's your podcast day, but what if you don't finish it on Monday? And I'm like, but I have to finish it on Monday. Like, I don't, I don't have the option. I don't have the luxury of saying, well, I don't feel inspired today and it's just not really coming out right. So I'm going to wait and do it tomorrow. Like, no episodes dropping tomorrow morning with or without me, like with or without me loving it, it just has to happen. And it's reminiscent of like, I love hearing how creative people who we've heard of and we know and have experienced their work, how they do this. Like Lauren Michaels talks about Saturday Night Live. It doesn't go on because it's ready. It goes on because it's 1130 on a Saturday night. Like it goes on because it's time. And so I think about how he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get to lead a show and like say, well, that wasn't super funny. It's like, well, actually, it doesn't matter. We just have to make it work. And so I feel that same way. And I've learned so much from people like that who both balance this creative, inspirational, you know, you have to have a certain amount of creative spark in something to keep you going. But you also have to have like this manager hat that you put on that you kind of boss yourself into saying, no matter what this is happening. And so that's my Mondays for me is it's not as much a task list as it as it is. I know what success looks like. I know what finished looks like. And, and that's what success is. It doesn't mean the episode is the best one ever. It doesn't mean it's my favorite, but it does mean it's finished and I can put it behind me so that on Wednesday, guess what I'm not thinking about? The podcast, because I know that's a Monday job. That's a Monday task. It used to be a, a one day turnaround where I would do everything from ideate the podcast, script it out, record it, edit it myself upload it and then drop it on Tuesdays. And I did all that myself. And it was like less than a 24 hour turnaround. Now I've realized that my friend Brian Dixon says, don't do your own plumbing. And so he's like, find people who do the thing that, you know, only I can record it and like say the words, but other people can edit it. And so I finally last year hired out the editing process. But guess what people don't like a 24 hour turnaround for podcasts. So I now have an eight day, seven day turnaround. So I'll be working on Mondays, still podcast day, but I'll be working on it a week in advance. So on my podcast days, which are also Monday, I am where you were before. So I do it all that day. Now, if I'm recording with a guest, then I've usually recorded it ahead of time, a few days ahead of time, sometimes up to weeks ahead of time, just depending on schedule things. But most of the time for my solo shows, I am scripting it, recording it, editing it, uploading it, doing all the things that I have to do on Monday. And it is a quick turnaround and I'm not done by five, like ever. I usually have to stop down to do family life and dinner and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm back at it on Monday nights late and my kids know that. In fact, my husband's in charge of dinner on Monday. Yeah, because yeah, mine too. <laughs> 
But I try to work not as late, like not to midnight, but I work past bedtime. I know it's done. Like I've yeah. been, again, I don't really think about it except for maybe brainstorming ideas for another episode, but I don't think about it much until the next week. And that is really freeing. On other days, and I'm working on a book, social media, newsletters, I mean, you know, just email, like all the things that online content creators think about all the time. I have realized, and I've learned a lot about myself in the last year, because when I started 10 Things to Tell You, I hadn't been doing an ongoing project like that, like meeting a weekly deadline for a couple of years. I'd been on other shows, but I wasn't in charge of that deadline and I wasn't blogging regularly anymore. So when I started this show, like 14 months ago, I really had to like change a lot about my work from home status, which was also affected by the fact that my kids were a little bit older. So when I was blogging regularly, I had little tiny kids and I was fitting it into the cracks and like staying up late and using nap time. And it just felt like, I I always felt chaotic doing that. Now that my kids are older, they're in school all day, I had to change up a lot of things. And I tried a few different ways of how I measured things. And the thing that stuck and worked the best for me was what a lot of people call the Pomodoro method. I set a timer for 30 minutes and I do that task for 30 minutes. Now I do not break at 30 minutes. I think true Pomodoro is that you like then stop for five minutes and like rest your brain, check your social media, whatever, and then get back to it. I don't do that. What has worked for me is I set the timer for 30 minutes, but I'm working in two hour chunks. Is this hard to explain? I'm doing it anyway. When the timer comes up on my phone that says 30 minutes, I just press repeat. But I know kind of where I am in the cycle. I hash mark in my planner where I'm like sort of looking at my tasks. I hash mark how the time that I have spent on that task. For me, it is visual. It is audible when the timer goes off. I know where I am in the cycle. And it's simple. Anybody can use a timer. And it like really works for me. So what I... What I realized I was doing that is I'm measuring time because once I get to the two hour mark and sometimes it's less, sometimes I only do three sets of 30 minutes. So that's an hour and a half. I I have to stop then. Now, not stop for the day. Maybe I stop for lunch. Maybe I go get on Voxer and talk to friends, which is like a connection thing for me for like a chunk of time. I need to stop for like 30 minutes almost. And then, then I get back to it with my timer and with my hash marks. And that is what has, I have learned just works for my brain. But I had to try out a few different ways because I used to be like, well, oh, I'll tell you what I, I just remembered what I used to measure. I used to measure word count. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) That's rough. It was rough. Like I'd be like, I, and I got that from that NaNoWriMo no thing where they're like, yes. write 1300 words a day and you'll have a novel by the month. Now, <laughs> I wasn't measuring 1300. That's quite a bit of solid words, but I was measuring words. So like, I'm not getting up from this chair until I have a certain word count. And some days that's 30 minutes and some days that's five hours. And like, you know, that's too chaotic. That's mm-hmm. too inconsistent. But I had to try it to like learn that. Yeah. Because in my mind, I was like, if you're measuring word count, then by the end of the week, you have a certain amount of words. So that's amazing. Well, it's amazing to have the words, but you, you haven't been able to keep a consistent schedule. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're all messed up. Okay. So here's my next question. When do you do the grocery store? And stuff like that. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm asking you. Yeah. I know. When people do this. When do people do that? Yeah. Because. This is my battle with work from home. I want to go to the grocery store when no one, I live in Los Angeles. So like it's busy. So I want to go when no one else is there, which is like a Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. But that should be my prime work time. So like I'm back and forth in my head of like, do I want to like do an easy grocery store experience or do I want to do my work time? And I feel like I sometimes choose the grocery store and then it's afternoon and I haven't done any work and I'm irritated at myself. It's an interesting question because it could be, what do you want your days to look like? And it could change week to week. It could be that that week you're going to need a calm grocery store experience. And so it's worth the 11 a.m. on Tuesday 
And you have to suspend the like, well, this should be my prime work time. Should it? You're the boss. Maybe maybe this week you need for your mental health to have a calm grocery store experience. And I think that's the beauty of kind of looking at our life and our schedule in like blocks of time rather than ideal schedule. I think I can get caught up with like, this is how it should look rather than like, well, I have to go to the grocery store. When is the best time to do that? And again, talking on theme days, theme days are not necessarily like my entire day from 7am until I go to bed at night. Theme is the podcast. (laughs) Um, I mean, I could do that, but that would be only if I, you know, had no other responsibilities in life. That's more just theme days is more for the work. And some days, you know, Monday's not a good example because that's a podcast day and I spend a lot of time on that. But there were some days in the theme day work mindset where I might only have an hour and a half that whole day to work. But in the past, before I had a theme day, the decision fatigue that would come upon me when I finally had the hour and a half to sit down, so much of my energy went into deciding what am I going to work on? Because I have 15 things to work on. What's it going to be? Now I know oh, if I have an hour and a half on a Wednesday at the time back a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, that's a, I'm going to work on my school paper then because it's Wednesday. And it took me 30 seconds to get into the mode rather than sitting there for 20 minutes, Googling Meghan Markle while I half-heartedly thought about what can I work on? Meanwhile, 30 minutes go by. That's an entire work session, you know, could have been. So all that to say, when do you go to the grocery store is it could change every week. But practically speaking, it could be on a day when maybe I only have an hour and a half to work. And the other half of the day is like homey stuff. I will say in regular life, we shop online. So I don't actually step foot into the grocery store much. We'll just order it online and then like pull through and they'll bring it out to us, which is a magical service that I love and will never get over. And my husband often will go do like the Costco run for us, like when we have a bigger, like once a month type of thing. And so we do a lot of tag teaming that way. Oh, interesting. I don't have a husband that goes to the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) He is wonderful in other ways. but He does do other things. He feeds the fish. He feeds the fish every day. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about COVID world, which is, I hope that this part of our conversation is irrelevant very Me too. soon. <laughs> right. Wouldn't it be? What if it was irrelevant? Like by the time this episode drops, it won't be. It won't be, you guys. It just won't be. But <laughs> I want to talk about it anyway, because we talked about this briefly before we recorded, but you and I are both work from home people anyway. So it's not like that part has changed so much. A lot of people are having to learn how to work from home efficiently or how to set up a space in their home where they can work. There's a lot of things people are having to navigate. You and I are not in that position. We always work from home. But what is different about it for you now? What's different about it for me now, first of all, for the first several weeks was my expectation. I thought since I've always done this, that this this should be easy. And what I discovered or what it took me several weeks to discover was Okay, I have to change my mindset that we've all we all got used to having to change our mindset about how we're thinking about the future plans for the future. Everybody's we've kind of adjusted to that, like, oh, we can't do those plans or we can't make that trip. But I neglected to realize, like, just like my plans for the future have changed, so have my plans for today. And even if my work looks the same, because my work demands did not change one bit, if anything, they ramped up. Right. And it's like all this talk of things slowing down. Who are these people? (laughs) Like, this has not been my experience. So I think having that expectation of myself, like, well, there was a lot of shame. I think I was carrying some shame and didn't realize it for a couple of weeks. Like, why is this so hard? And it wasn't so much that I was like not working. It was just when I sat down to work, my ability to focus was greatly reduced. Like, I just found myself highly distracted. I couldn't finish a chapter of a book. I was looking every which way. I was Googling things that I don't even care about. And I think that has been the biggest adjustment was recognizing that things have changed in every way. And it's okay that I'm not thriving right now. And there's no such thing as finding a productivity hack to get me back to where I was. Like that's not happening right now. We're in a collective grief and our bodies are carrying it. And I think The more we can say that to one another, the better, and that we can, you know, kind of be present in this moment with what is true, but the work still has to get done. And so for me, that's been kind of the question is like, oh, what does this mean now? And that's kind of been the question I've been carrying for myself over the last several weeks as I've thought about my work. 
Yeah, I carried some shame too around the idea that this would mean that lockdown or self-isolation or stay at home or whatever would mean so much more time was available. And I saw a lot of people sort of talking about this quality family time they were experiencing and how that was going to be a silver lining of this. And that was not happening in our home. I was not feeling an excess of time. We were having some good quality family time together, but I mistakenly also thought, oh, well, maybe I'll get through my to read list in this time. Like I was trying to find my own silver linings and then was realizing I don't have any extra time. My workload is the same, if not more, like you said, but everything is taking longer than it usually does because I'm unable to concentrate or I'm having to stop down and help my kid with remote learning for their school or, you know, I'm having a lot more of distraction. And then for me, it's a triple workload in our home. So I have housekeeper that helps me once a week, take care of our home. I suddenly don't have that, but we're all home 24 hours a day, making four times the mess. And so that was spinning me out a little bit to try and stay on top of like mess and laundry and extra dishes and all of the extra things that were coming from us being at home and not having a partner with that. And Jeff is helpful in a lot of ways. I don't want it to sound like that. But like I was really taking on the bulk of the housework and my work work was more. And like, so it took me literally weeks to realize that I didn't have extra time that everyone else is talking about. There is no extra time. So how did you modify? Like, are you just saying you modified your mindset or did you make any like tangible modifications? I have made some tangible modifications and I'll tell you, I have kept that same posture of theme days, but I've shrunk it down. I've realized that um, I think that one of the anxieties of these days or, or the difficulties is not knowing how long it's going to last. I think if someone were just to say, guys, it's going to be December, December of 2020, everything's going to be normal. That would be hard, but at least we would have a date and we would say, okay. And in fact, in some ways that would be easier than not knowing, but then it ends in August. It's like, it's just a mental thing that you can kind of put your, put an end date to something. And that's the part that just feels really weird. I think one thing that's helped me is to say, this is how it is now. This is our reality. This is how it is now. Stop waiting for things to go back. So that's one thing. But I think too, in the same way of not being able to think too far down the road, I've just had to shrink my work time. Even if I have the same amount of time in the day to work, let's say, I've had to shrink how I think about it into smaller increments. So rather than thinking in terms of work day, I think in terms of a work session. And the way I've done that is kind of a five-fold way. I, number one, get very clear on the task. I'm not going to sit down and work on my website. I'm going to write five lines for my about page. I'm not going to sit down and answer email, you know, general email. I'm going to respond to 10 emails and then I'm going to be done. Or I'm going to respond to email until the timer goes off. And I tend to set my timer for kind of like you, Laura, I'll do 30 minute sessions. Sometimes I'll do, this is embarrassing, 15 minute sessions just to be like, okay, for the next 15 minutes, all I'm going to do is blank task, but getting very clear. I I mean, on uh, the Next Right Thing podcast, I talk a lot about decision making and how nothing brings on frustration more quickly than you're than trying to decide a bunch of things at once. And so a, a huge practice for me has been before I make a decision, if I can't put it into an English sentence, then I'm not allowed to try to make the decision. Because so many times reality is we think we have a decision to make, but really we're just uncomfortable with the lack of movement or our motivation, or we think there's an there's sort of an unmade, it's maybe not time to make the decision yet. So having to force myself to put my decision into a sentence allows me to have make some movement on it. And the same goes for my work session is if I can name what the task is, and then set the timer for that task, I'm much more likely to stay on task and to focus on it rather than get distracted. And here's the point, it's not for the sake of being productive, I would be the last to say that we should use this wonderful quarantine time to be productive and write all of our books and be so creative. But it's not really that. It's that when I show up as my truest self, my whole self, I am someone who is creative. I am someone who writes. I am someone who takes what's in my head and kind of puts it out on paper. And when I'm not in some ways, in the ways, the same ways that we're kind of parenting our kids right now, those of us who have kids, or if you see people who have kids, we have to parent ourselves. And I think these small work sessions of like, this is my task, 
set my timer, timer goes off, I take a break for a second. That really helps me. Another way is getting my workspace ready. Like no matter what your workspace is, it can be a small corner of the kitchen table. Just having that be the place where I go really helps. And both in clearing it. So like every, if not every day, at least a couple times a week is my desk can be a mess. I don't clean it. I don't let myself clean it, but I will just take everything off and put it on the floor so I can't see it. It's like tricking my brain. So I'll clear my space and then I'll tend it by lighting a candle, opening the window, turning on a light, or if light feels harsh, sometimes like (laughs) lamps feel harsh. So I'll turn them off. It depends, whatever it is for you, but clearing and tending that space and then setting a timer is a third thing that I'll do, like we already mentioned. And then during that time, it's really helped me to just to focus on one task, both the, the task that I name at the top of the work session of really carrying only that one thing through. And even if I don't finish it, there's just something really satisfying about doing one thing at a time. Because we all know how we feel when we have like 15 tabs open and you're switching, switching, and you just feel almost like your soul has a little bit of whiplash. And you just, it's like you're moving a, a little ball, 10 little balls, one little inch at a time. And at the end, you've only gone one inch, but you've done it 10 times rather than having one and you move it. You know, if you move that 10 times, you'd be so much further down, down the road. I know that's a weird way to say that. There's probably a sports way to say that, but the final movement for me in all of this really is to end the session well. That's the hardest for me is when that timer goes off to actually stop working. Now, sometimes like you, I'll just restart the timer. But lately, I have found I do better when I actually do like, okay, I, I end that work session by doesn't mean I'm done with my work, but I'm just finished with that session. And I can stand up and I go get a, a snack or whatever, something walk outside. That whole process has really helped me feel like I'm getting something done. Even if at the end of the day, I don't have like a completed article to show for it. It just, I feel more like a person who's able to focus and it all, the key is really in looking at it in those small, smaller increments of time. Do you use any of those tools or apps or whatever that will like turn off your internet? <laughs> question. (laughs) I do not, but I love the question. I have been exploring this idea. It's not as hard for me on my laptop desktop scenario where I like sit down and do quote unquote serious work. Like if I'm actually (laughs) going to pound through some emails or work on my book or work on my podcast, I do that at my desk in my home office. And I do have a mental shift around that where I maybe I'll waste a little bit of time, 10 minutes kind of checking Facebook, but then I will get down to it. On my phone, I have been a disaster. <laughs> like if, during COVID time. Now I'm always on my phone a lot because I love Instagram and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, you know, I mean, I have my phone with me all the time. I'm as addicted as the next person, but I feel like it's sort of a, a culturally normal kind of addiction. During coronavirus, if I showed you a screenshot of like the Apple, like time on your phone, you would fall out of your chair. You would die. You'd be so embarrassed for me. (laughs) And I feel like this week I was like, maybe I should try to put on one of those time limit things. Is it a special app or is it like your phone settings that, you know, that like your phone will say, You've been on Instagram too long. Have you had that one set up? I tried that for like half a day before COVID and I was the worst with it. I had one of those, but it was just a pop-up that said, you have been on Instagram for 30 minutes and then you just made it go away. That's what I, right. (laughs) I'm like, okay. You need your phone to explode is what you're saying. (laughs) I need to shut down Jetson style and be like, you are done. Like if you said we're supposed to parent ourselves, this is how I would parent myself. If this were my kid and they were on a social media app this much, I would over. be like, no, ma'am. This yeah, is cut her off. You. I need to do that to myself <laughs> because my mom is in Oklahoma and she's not going to do that for me. Do they have those? Are there are there mom apps like that for yourself that you can't – like can Jeff have the password? <laughs> is that a bad idea? No, that's a brilliant idea. Because that's the thing. You, If we set it up for ourselves, we can also de-set it up. If they make it harder than just clicking OK on the on the <laughs> pop-up, like if it's harder where it like shuts the phone down or something, 
Yeah, that's a hassle. It's a hassle and it kind of breaks me out of the trance, you know, and be like, okay, yeah, you're right. Right. Like I'm going to have to, right. I need to put the phone down. I just wonder if that would be helpful to me because I mean, in all reality, Emily, like the most important people in my life are under my roof. It's not to say there couldn't be an emergency with extended family or people I love, but I'm not talking about turning off my phone for the week. (laughs) I just mean like, you know, if someone needed to get a hold of me, they could in an emergency situation. But most of the time as a mom, the reason that we can sometimes justify having our phone by our hip at all time is because somebody might need you. Yeah. Well, the people who need me most are downstairs. Sure. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I'm feeling like I have absolutely no reason to be so addicted to my phone. And this is kind of a tangent, except that it's not because I think that it's keeping me scared. It's keeping me anxious to be getting news alerts and to be sort of like seeing what everyone else is doing. I don't In general life, in regular life, I don't tend to suffer from what a lot of people have complained about for years and years about perfectionism, making them feel bad about themselves online, or Pinterest perfect things affecting them. Like, I don't, that stuff just doesn't bother me. I can scroll on past that. It really doesn't. That's just not a thing I've worried about too much. Well, in coronavirus, I am having feelings about like, you know, and they're not about perfectionism. There are other feelings that I don't like. I don't like someone's political stance that they've suddenly taken. I don't like to see other communities that are out and about and really their life hasn't changed that much when Los Angeles is on full lockdown. I'm just having a lot of feelings of some envy and anger and like negative feelings. And so then I'm like, I don't, this is just making me hate everybody. I am not, I am, I'm going to admit this here on the show. I am not feeling the kumbaya unity that a lot of people are posting about it, like we are all in this together memes, is not my primary feeling when I'm online right now. And so sort of all joking aside, I'm sort of like, I, in order to feel a little bit more kumbaya about humanity, I perhaps need to turn this off. Yes. And I think that's such a key point right there. And that experience carries into the work that you're trying to put into the world and it's going to color it no matter what. And I think that's another key part is thinking about what is my experience outside of my quote unquote working hours? Cause what, what are working hours? I don't know, but like those things, they just kind of glom on to you on the inside and you carry it. And then it kind of hinders the focus of being able to work on your book or do the things that you really do feel maybe a calling towards or a or pull towards or something that maybe in the past made you feel helped you feel like you were coming alive in it. It just can cloud all of that. And at least that's how it is for me. Yes. Thank you for looping it back to work. <laughs> As Anytime. <laughs> no, but it, but it is really true. And I my experience of that has been in this COVID time, coronavirus time has been I love Instagram like you, Laura, like I've never been one of those people who is like, Instagram is from the devil and we just need to, I mean, I just don't have those kind of feelings. I'm sure there can be an argument that is made somewhere in the world that that would make sense. But for me, I just think it's really fun. It's always been really fun. I love connecting. I love, I mean, combining, are you kidding me? Photos with words, my two favorite things. I love it so much. I'm so, so loving it. But where I have found the frustration when I'm scrolling through is I see like, how do these people have so many things to say? Not so much the envy of someone else's experience or someone else's, like you said, the perfectionistic, you know, quote unquote life, or it's more an envy of their ability to articulate their experience or their ability to be consistent with their content right now. Whereas I'm like, it's been seven days since I've posted. It's like, I don't feel like I'm flowing. Like if I'm not kind of turning around and processing this or or doing the, this thing that's always been really fun. Now, all of a sudden, I feel stuck. And I feel like I can't process on my favorite platform, which is Instagram. And then every day goes by and I'm not again and again. And then it's like this major block that comes up. And already it's hard to focus. So I just have to, yeah, put my phone in the trash can and like not look at it for a while because I need to reset somehow my brain. So I I totally, totally relate with all those words you just said. Also, did you see that meme that went around, I don't know, week two, 
that was something like, <laughs> you're not working from home. You're trying to work. You happen to be at home and the world is falling apart. And it was, I think it was really aimed at people who usually work outside of the home and were trying to adapt. But it spoke to me as well, even as an always work from home person, because I realized like, yes, this isn't normal. We shouldn't be trying to act like this is normal. Even though I'm sitting in my normal chair at my normal desk, nothing else is normal. And so I have to give grace to my attention span, to my words that they might not be as flowy, like you said, as usual or whatever. Like everything is, the fact that we're at home isn't always like going to be some kind of magic thing or or doesn't mean inherently that it's comfortable because I love my home and my home is comfortable, but our spirits right now are a lot of times not. Yes. And so you have to just like allow for that, you know? It's so true. And I tell you, I feel like I need to hear that every day because it's like, I know it in my brain, but when someone else says it and affirms it, it's like, yes, okay, okay. Remember things might look the same from the inside of your house as they did six months ago, but things are not the same and that's okay. That's okay. And that's a perfect place to end because I made you talk to me twice as long as I said I was going to. Oh, I love it. I've loved every word. I feel like I could talk to you for so long on so many topics. So thank you for being on the show, talking us through being a voice of sanity always in regular world and the world we're in that is irregular. I'm so (laughs) happy to have you on, Emily. Thanks for being here. I've loved it. Thank you so much. just listen to the 10 things to tell you podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10 things to tell you.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 things to tell you. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.